Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. All right, y'all, today's episode is with Stephanie Mae Wilson. I know, I'm just as excited as you are. Stephanie is a doll of a human who has a podcast and a book and a course all centered around equipping women to walk through singleness and dating well. So we talk about being single, we talk about how the church doesn't necessarily always do that well, and we talk about how your single years impact your marriage. So this isn't just for the single people. If you're married, listen on. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for the longest time, and I'm so glad that we're finally able to do this. I know. We had to reschedule, and then we definitely spent the last five minutes talking about, I'm so excited. Are you, like, I'm so excited. We're so excited to be here. (laughs) So, And then at some point, we're like, hmm, we should start recording, because otherwise... We'll be here next week and no one will get to hear any of it. And I have done that before where we just start like rolling in a conversation and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I got to record. <laughs> we got to yes. say all of that again. So I'm glad we got it when we did. And I'm <laughs> so excited to talk with you about this subject of singleness. I was just telling you before we started recording that this is a very highly requested subject that I don't necessarily feel equipped to speak into because I got married when I was 21. I totally hear you in that. You know, I, there are subjects that I have on my show where I'm like, I didn't struggle with this. Like, I mean, I struggled with this whole laundry list of things, but this just wasn't one of them. And so it's so nice to have someone who has walked that specific path to, to come on and talk about it. So I'm, I'm happy to be the, the field guide for this. Yes. (laughs) Because so you have really like, you've made this your mission to help women thrive in their single and dating years, loving Jesus all along the way. And and I what I love is that you have you have continued that mission even after you got married. It wasn't like you got married and you were like, "All right, see you later, figure it out, guys." Like you've stuck with it and stuck with those women. And so I would love to just start by hearing like your heart and why this is so important to you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so overall, you know, between my podcast and my books and my courses and things, my mission is really to help 20 and 30 something women thrive in their relationships. And, um, I say, you know, your most important relationships, this isn't a comprehensive list by any means, but, um, I help women in their relationship with God, in their relationship with their friends, in their relationships with their significant others and in their relationships with themselves. And the the thing that I've found over the years is that these things are so intertwined. Mm. And when one piece of that is missing or several pieces, it really negatively in fact uh, negatively impacts the other areas of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first became a Christian, I was uh, it was the end of college, and all of those relationships in my life had totally fallen apart. Um, I guess minus my faith because I didn't have one. So you, n- something can't break if it doesn't right. exist. I guess. Right. Um, but I mean, I really was struggling in so many areas and I could see that, you know, my lack of close, safe girlfriends, I could see the impact of that on my relationship with myself. And I could mm. see the impact of my terrible relationship with myself on my romantic relationships. They're just all intertwined. Um, and so, you know, I, 
over the years I've started writing and blogging. And um, one of my favorite things about my community here online is that I get tons of messages from my readers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, starting years ago, the number one topic that people would ask me about was singleness and dating. And the more I got to kind of reflect on my own life and what I'd seen and experienced and the more stories I got to hear from women, the more I got to see that like, there's sort of a hole here. Um, mm. the, the education we receive in the church about how to date and how to, you know, prepare your heart for marriage and stuff is, is kind of incomplete and mm-hmm. really confusing and, um, leaves a lot of single women specifically feeling alone and like kind of outcasts in the church. Um, and then I think a lot of the advice we've been given is really unhelpful. Like, <sighs> Wait on your husband. I think a lot of people say that that means just sit around and do nothing and hope he knocks on your door someday. But I, I, you know, increasingly have gotten messages from women who are like, okay, I took that advice and I've been sitting on my couch for years now and he still has not knocked on my door. I feel like I need to do something different. Um, and you know, as I've gotten to look at my own life and again, the things I've learned along the way, the more I got to see some of the things I did that didn't work and some of the things I did that did work and have kind of gotten to piece together sort of the, the best of the best from the advice I was given and the things that I tried, um, and what I've gotten to, to really see over time, which, you know, we'll talk about is that there's a specific way we can live this season while we're single. That's not, that makes it so much more than a season of waiting that makes Mm. it a like transformative and wonderful and wildly fun. Um, and that that's actually the very best thing we can do to put ourselves in the position of meeting someone great and actually being ready for marriage once we get there. And it's funny, like, I'm so glad you mentioned the fact that, um, that I've still been talking about this after getting married. Cause I think you're right. A lot of people get married and they're like, okay, great. Here are my marriage tips. Um, And part of that is that, you know, my parents have been married for almost 40 years. My husband, Carl's parents have been married for almost 40 years. And so when we've been married for like six months, I'm like, if we try to give marriage marriage advice, (laughs) you're going to get some phone calls. Like (laughs) you guys don't know anything. But really like looking back, I was able to see that a lot of the decisions that both Carl and I made when we were single were really contributing in a really positive way to our marriage. And so Mm -hmm. even though, like, I mean, I really do care about marriage. I really do have a heart for marriage. But the more, the longer I'm married and the more I, you know, more women I talk to, the more I see the better decision we can make while we're single, the better, Mm -hmm. like the healthier we can become while we're single, that those things transform our marriages before we even get there. So anyway, this is like really one of my favorite topics because it just, it just matters. And it just- is not talked about enough. And, and, and I love what you said about that. When it is talked about, it's a lot of the time within the church, not done well. Right. Right. So, you know, they're either single women and men within the church are either getting radio silence or terrible advice. Yes. (laughs) And I love that you were like, okay, let's fill the gap here because so my, I was 21 when I got married, but my husband was 30. He's eight years older than me. And he had been single, like, 22 to 29. We started dating when he was 29. So he was single for a chunk of time. And he absolutely looks back on that period of time and and says, I am the husband I am today because of that season. Yes. Because, it, you know, because I was single, because I was leaning in on my relationship with God and learning about him, that is why I'm able to. You know, and, and he's like, it was hard and it sucked because I was like, 
a groomsman in a wedding every other weekend and all my friends were getting married and having kids. Yes. But I know that those years prepared me for us. And so while I don't have my own personal necessary experience with singleness, I have like by proxy experience of exactly what you're saying, that the church doesn't do it well and that it's so important and it matters so much. Yes. And you're the beneficiary of it. Right, and like your exactly. kids are the beneficiary of it because your husband took that time to, to grow and to, to do the growing and the learning and the, the like experiencing of life. And I mean, it's just this really precious time where we get to be who God created. Like we get to become who God created us to be. And it just, everything gets better because of that. Every yeah. part of our life benefits. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And so let's talk about church. Let's talk about Christian culture. So I know you talk about that we swing in two equally kind of dangerous and destructive directions with this conversation. So what are those two directions? Yeah. So one of them, I think, is that we idolize marriage. Mm. And I think we've all seen this. We make it the end all be all. It's like... um I don't know. It's like to be a real member of the church, you have to have a husband or you have to, I mean, there just are so many things. So we idolize it. We make it the end all be all. We act like it's um, when you get married, it means that you are a full mature Christian or a full adult. Like you're not a person, a whole person. Yes. (laughs) You haven't reached adulthood. You haven't become a full person until you have a ring on your finger. Um, And I think that there are so many things that come out of this that are really really rough. Like, I mean, one of them is that we make people feel left out. You are not less than for being single. You are not less of an anything because you are single. Um, that's just not true. And I hate that we can make people feel that way. Um, but the other things that happen, I think are, um, you know, when we, when we are putting so much pressure on marriage, there's a temptation to rush into it. Mm. There's a temptation to like, just get married And I had a pastor say one time that it is way better to be single wanting to be married than it is to be married wanting to be single. And I mean, it just, this is a major decision in our lives. And I mean, I think that a lot of times because we put so much pressure on marriage, we think I'll stop feeling lonely when I'm married. Mm. (laughs) It's just not true. Like marriage just doesn't fulfill the things in us that we think it's, it's going to fulfill. It was never supposed to. Um, And when we reach for marriage to, to, fill these things like we I mean we just really end up disappointed and that's the other thing like I mean I love being married and I think marriage is an awesome thing but when we expect it to fix everything for us we end up really disappointed by it and that stinks it's that's too much pressure to put on your husband that's I mean it's just setting your marriage up for failure in every exactly. way that this is going to be, I'll stop feeling insecure. I'll stop feeling lonely. I'll never worry again. I'll never have to do anything on my own. I'll never have to like, I mean, I, I won't need to, I mean, just fill in the blank there. Um, we're really setting ourselves up for failure. So that's why, you know, those are just some of the things that, that come from us putting too much pressure on marriage as this mm-hmm. end of the all. But then on the flip side, I think that there are, like we sort of swing back in the other direction where it's like, if you are thinking about marriage or if you care too much about this, it's um, silly or mm. like, um, frivolous or you're not a strong woman or um, it's like, it, it's almost like when you're in middle school and someone like 
criticizes you for thinking about boys too much, like you're boy crazy or whatever. It's like, you're silly. That's ridiculous. Focus on something more important. Well, we kind of do that to people as adults. Mm -hmm. And that's really tough because it's really hard to prepare yourself for something that you're not allowing yourself to think about. Yeah. Um, So it's, so I think there really is this, this really beautiful middle ground where we're focusing on things other than just who we're going to marry. We're really investing in all parts of our life, but we're investing in all parts of our life. And that includes, you know, really doing the work of preparing ourselves and then putting ourselves out there to meet someone if that's something we want to have happen in our lives. Yeah. No. And I mean, I, so I became a believer my freshman year of college and got immersed into, you know, like that Christian college culture, BCM, all that kind of stuff. And I might get mail on this, but it's fine. Watching everyone get engaged right at college graduation and then get married six months later, there's nothing wrong with that. I have so many friends that did that, but it doesn't have to go that way. And within Christian culture, And those college age years, if you're not getting married six months after graduation, like you are, you are the outlier. You are like, you're the outlier. You are different. And that's, and I got married, what, a year and a half after I graduated. So I was not that far removed, but it, I think that if we're talking to those like younger years of, of singleness that I think. I remember looking around and looking at my non-believer friends and they all thought it was insane that people mm. were getting married that young. Yep. That, that is not, it's not that it's not normal because that like if that was your journey and you and your husband got married when you were 20 and that that's totally fine. But if you didn't or if you aren't. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. That is normal. That is normal. And it's okay. Like, you are still figuring out who you are and what you want to do with your life and growing into, like, the gifts that God has given you. It is okay to be 30, 35, and not be married. Yeah. It's fine. We have got to figure out how to normalize that within Christian culture. Totally. Totally. Because it really just isn't it isn't worth it to rush it. Like it's no. just, I feel like it is, it, it just isn't worth it to rush it. This is such a big decision. This is such a big deal. And, you know, I'm thinking like within the first year of my husband and I being married, we had been through, we had lost four jobs between the two of us, um, which is like a whole long story. But yeah, we lost four jobs between the two of us. We'd been through the diagnosis of a family member. They got, they were diagnosed with cancer. We suddenly lost a family member. Um, we, I'm trying to think of all that we moved to a different state. <laughs> we started two businesses. Like I'm trying to think of all the crazy life events. And that's that year have. one. It's year one. <laughs> and, and like, those are things that you want to do with someone you really like mm-hmm. and really love and really trust. And it, I think that we think it's going to make life easier for us to be married, but being married to the wrong person or someone who's not the best fit for you mm-hmm. makes life infinitely harder, so than, it, harder. than it is for you to just go through them on your own. Yes. Um, yeah. It's, there's nothing wrong yeah. with you. And no. the other thing is like, it's, you know, I feel like I say this phrase all the time and it's so, it's kind of random, but like really you win some, you lose some. Okay. Mm. So when you 
get married and you're still in college or you have a ring by spring or whatever the thing is at your school, there's something beautiful about that. Like you found your person young. You get to grow up with them. Exactly. You don't have like you don't have to do the singleness in your 20s dating thing. Like you're you're done with that part of your life, which is really great in some ways. But also, you're done with that part of your life and that's a real bummer. So like <laughs> that's the downside. You Yeah. Being single in my 20s was so much fun. Like I traveled around the world for a year. I went on road trips with my best friends. I got to really like grow into who I feel like God created me to be. I got to, I mean, I just had the sweetest time, um, in my life and with those other relationships and like, you know, with my friends and with my relationship with God. And I would have missed out on that if I had gotten married so young. And so really like there are pros and cons yep. on both sides, but you're not automatically firmly in the con column if you haven't gotten married by 22. Right. No. And and I think that it's it's so like we're looking side to side and and seeing if you're if you are in the Christian camp and everybody's getting married, you're like, oh, crap, like I'm doing this wrong. I need to do this when in reality it, it's exactly what you're saying I was I got married when I was 21 I was a mom by the time I was 23 like I have not seen the world I have not gone on epic road trips I don't have like a ton of of dating stories or experience my husband and I joke like we'll see pictures of us when we were dating and he'll be like I basically raised you like joking <laughs> like it's totally a joke but like I was a child and it's beautiful and I would not trade that I am 31 with a, a six-year-old. Like, I would not trade any of that. But we have got to give one another the space to have different stories. And and to appreciate and embrace one another's stories. I love that you got to spend your 20s dating and having fun and seeing the world. And I... Why are we so incapable of having that conversation and being like, Stephanie, that's amazing. I love that for you. And not being like, ugh, I spent my 20s covered in spit up and like not sleeping. Well, and the beautiful thing is like, like, you're done with spit up and not sleeping. Like, I haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah. Like, I have some, some crazy, you know, stages ahead of me and you have some really amazing stages ahead of you too. And, and it really is. I mean, I think if you were to ask five different couples when they got married and if they would have been ready for marriage like three years earlier, mm-hmm. I think everyone would say that they weren't ready for marriage three years earlier. Um, and But everyone has a different time. Like, exactly. I wasn't ready until I met my husband. Like, it, exactly. I had to go through a process. And so if I got married when I was 21, like, Lord help whoever <laughs> I would have married. My gosh, I was so, I was a wreck at 21. Yeah. And so. Me too. I, mean, I was too. It's just. <laughs> But I mean, truly, it's, it's, there's, it's just, you're talking about apples and oranges here. Our exactly. stories cannot be compared to each other. Um, because you lose the beauty of yours and you lose the experience of the beauty of other people's. Yeah. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. This week's episode is brought to you by the book More for Mom by Kristen Funston. More for Mom encourages women to stop believing the lie that more is needed from them and start living with the truth that more is available for them. With real-life talk, humor, and convicting biblical truths, Kristen helps hardworking mamas discover what happens when they believe God has more for them than what they think the world needs from them. More for Mom makes a great Mother's Day gift 
and you can purchase it anywhere you buy books. More for Mom by Kristen Bunston. So let's talk Enneagram for just a second. Today's episode is sponsored by the Christian Enneagram Club. Y'all know how much I love the Enneagram. So if you've been looking for a place to grow using the Enneagram along with your faith, this is for you. The Christian Enneagram Club is all about using the Enneagram from a Christ-centered perspective with on-demand video lessons, monthly coaching calls, and a private community to connect with other members. It's only $27 a month. So the doors for registration will open May 1st through 3rd. Head to christianenneagram.club and sign up so that you don't miss it. christianenneagram.club. Going back to talking about the church and that that the two directions are basically like idolizing marriage or being like, why do you care so much? You're ridiculous. Where, what is the middle ground? What does that look like? So I think that, um, you know, so, so like I said, we're polarized between, um, either being present for our lives, like really investing in what's happening today, loving being single, doing the single thing, or we're preparing for our future. Um, but really what, like in my life and totally imperfectly, but along the way through the help of lots of wonderful mentors and guidance, like really great people guiding me along the way, I got to see that you can really do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was making the most of my single life and really investing in that season of my life that actually was the thing that got me ready for marriage. Yes. Um, that was the thing that actually helped me be in the right place at the right time to meet my husband, Carl. And that was the thing that like really caught his eye. That's the reason mm. he was me in the first place. And it's really contributed to our marriage in such a beautiful way. Um, you know, when I was single, I spent a lot of time really feeling bummed about it and mm. sitting and being stagnant and, um, really, I had some years of like bitterness, um, and comparison, but finally I feel like I, I I had this moment with God where I realized how, like, if, if I knew that I was going to marry the person who was just exactly right for me, you know, four years from now, Mm -hmm. I knew it was going to work out. How would I live my life today? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it actually look like to live as though you trust that God is good? (laughs) And I, I started to just come alive after that. I started living my life the way that I would if I really believed that this was going to be okay. Um, and so that's when I made the decision to literally travel around the world for a year. Um, I went to counseling. I worked on a lot of the junk that I'd picked up along the way in my life. I really like doubled down on my relationship with God and had so much beautiful quality time with him to just like work on stuff and go deeper and get to know him and fall in love with him. I had great time with my girlfriends. Um, I got to really start pursuing writing and blogging and, um, figuring out like, you know, how to share my story in the way that God created me to, to do that. Um, and it really was so cool because it was because it wasn't despite the fact that I traveled around the world, it was because Mm -hmm. around the world that I met my husband, Carl, I would not Mm -hmm. have met him if I didn't do that. Um, the, the day that he, uh, like really noticed me, the, the kind of the first day of our love story, um, I, we, we were working together at the time at the organization that puts on the trip. So we were both working there because we did this trip and there was this one day it was, there were a whole bunch of people, um, there that were, were about to go on the trip and I was doing like a training talk for them. And I was talking about storytelling and why it's so important to, like live your story well and capture your story as you're living it and then share your story, all the good things that can come from that. And so I'm giving this talk 
And, you know, I'm in front of like 200 people. And I really felt in that moment, like I was exactly Mm. where God, like exactly where God wanted me. I had, I felt like I had just gotten to like a new level of growth and thriving. And like, I just felt like I was just right where I was supposed to be. And that literally was the day that Carl asked me out on a date. Wow. And, and I mean, that was the thing that, that got his attention. And I mean, he wasn't even on my radar because I was so busy living life and, yeah. and savoring it. But our, our worlds collided because mm-hmm. of that, because we were both doing that. And so to me, that's the middle ground. It's, it's not putting too much pressure on this relationship, acting like it's going to be the thing that's going to fix your life. It's really investing in your life and all the different relationships and parts of your life. It's savoring your life. It's living it to the full. It's going for it. It's, it's like deciding that you're done waiting um, and you're ready to start living. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's through those things, through investing in your relationship with the Lord, healing, um, really surrounding yourself with healthy, wonderful community, um, growing in the ways that God like has for you to grow in this season. That's the very best way to get yourself to the right place at the right time and to be ready for marriage when the time comes. How do you feel about the like Christian antidote of like, when you stop looking, God will drop the right person in your life? Uh, I don't think that that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because the thing is like, God's not tricky like that. Like he's not trying to trick us. And this isn't like a this isn't a, a like a a game that you have to like make the right moves. Right. And like the other thing is, I think that that thinking. I mean, I I did that for a long time. Right. Um. Like tried to play that game for a long time. The thing about it though is that it really stifles our relationship with God mm-hmm. because because we're thinking about it and we care. And like, I don't know how to stop caring about something you deeply care about. Right. But if you're working to like shove that down so far, that means you're not talking to God about it. Mm -hmm. It means you've like siloed this whole part of your heart and segmented it off and like tried to shut it down. And so I don't feel like that's, I I don't know. I, I don't think that that's true. I think, um, there is something to be said for when you are getting, um, when your identity is rooted in some other things and like you're, Mm -hmm. you're getting affirmation and positive attention and you're thriving in other areas of your life, it takes some of the pressure off of your interactions with guys. And I feel like you're able to talk better. Like you're able to just be freer and funnier and more yourself when you're not looking to this guy to like fill everything in you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so I think that's part of it is like, you're just able to be more yourself when you have right. more going on and right. that's so attractive. And so yes. you're gonna, you're just going to have better luck or I mean, luck is the wrong word, but like, you're just, things are going to go better in your love life when the rest of your life is going better. Right. Um, so I think that that's part of it. Um, but I also, I also hate that phrase because there is, while there is so much of our love lives that, that needs God, like mm-hmm. the fact that Carl and I bumped into each other in like a tiny town in Georgia is so crazy to me. Like, I can't even believe I made the decision to go there. Yeah. Let alone the fact that he was there waiting for me. I mean, I just, I couldn't have organized that or orchestrated that if I tried. But at the same time, just because so much of this does rely on God, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. Yeah. And we really do. Like yeah. we need to, I needed to like 
put on a cute outfit in the morning (laughs) and smile. And I needed to strike up a conversation with the guys I was encountering. I needed to say yes when Carl asked for my number and then asked me out on a date. And like, I I mean, I had to do those things. And I think that sometimes we, we expect that God's going to drop, like we expect that God's going to do more than really is his job. Like we have Mm. a part to play too. Yeah. And I, I love that, that essentially, like your answer to that is essentially exactly what you're saying. This middle ground that we have got to be talking about more is, is like, this matters. Like if you, if you have a desire for companionship and for marriage, then God put that there. So there's nothing wrong with that. You're not supposed to feel bad about it, but let's stop making it something it's not. Let's stop idolizing it. It's, I mean, it's, it's acknowledging that this is like a God-given desire, but also that I believe and trust and have faith that he's in control. Right. And like believing and trusting that he is in control is like, I, the, the mental pictures that came into my mind was like being on a roller coaster. It was mm-hmm. like, are you white knuckling and you have your eyes closed and you're like not enjoying any piece of the ride? Or do you have your hands up? Like, right. are you like, enjoying it and for me enjoying it looks like traveling and being with my girlfriends and I just white knuckling it isn't and and refusing to move isn't actually what faith looks like I don't think um I got a message from a girl uh recently she actually I have a course all about this um because I, I had written back so many girls um in like I'd responded to so many emails um and written so many blog posts about this like you know a couple of years ago I'm like okay this is not I don't have enough room to talk about this. And so my heart was really, if I could invite just every woman in the world into my living room and just Mm -hmm. chat about this together, I would, but like my house isn't big enough for that. So um, (laughs) I I, like made an an online course about it, which is like really the next best thing to all of us being in my house. Um, But I got an email from a girl who, who took the course last time I offered it. And I feel like she sums this up perfectly. So I just want to read her words. She said, In the last month, I've been on more dates and had more men pursuing me than at any other point in my life. And not just any guys, really great Christian men. I've thought a lot about why these guys have come out of the woodwork. And honestly, I've come to believe that it's because this course reminded me of my worth and my identity in Christ. I no longer need their approval because I have the approval of the one who matters. And as a result, I've come alive in my conversations with men. I've been confident, friendly, joyful, and authentically myself. That's what this did for me. And, and I just kind of made me emotional. Like, I love that. Yeah. Like, well, and here's, here's the been married since I was 21 side. The same thing goes for my marriage. When I am immersed and identified by who God says I am, when I am not looking to my husband to define me, to give me worth, to give me, make me feel complete, we have so much more fun. I am so much more fun. He feels so much less pressure to be, to not be a God that he was never meant to be. So all of those things pull straight into marriage where if you feel like your marriage is not fun, if you're not having fun, if everything's hard, if everything sucks, some of that's just marriage. Some of that is just seasons. But also, like, are you asking your husband to be something he was never meant to be? Where are you getting your identity from? Totally. And and the thing about it is we can't 
control or change or fix or heal another person, Mm. but we absolutely can do that for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the healthier we are when we go into a relationship, the healthier the relationship is going to be. Exactly. And so um, a couple of years ago, I had this, I was recognizing that I had um, some like anxiety that was cropping up in me and it was causing all kinds of problems. And I didn't really know what it was or where it was coming from or what to call it. And I just, I was just feeling kind of generally yucky Mm -hmm. in a way that um, like my circumstances, nothing was going on in my circumstances that should have made me feel this way. So I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Um, and I decided to go to counseling and I've been in counseling at different times in my life, but, um, this was the first time I'd been back in a while. And I walked out after my first session thinking that that was a little hard. Mm. Um, but this is the very best thing I can do, not only for me, but for my husband, for my friends, for everyone I come in contact with, because mm-hmm. the healthier I can be, the better it is for everybody else. It just makes every other relationship better. Um, Absolutely. And it, it totally did. Absolutely. What I love is like your desire and not just desire, but actual action in equipping women to land in the middle ground. Like you're not like, this is the middle ground. You're like, let's get to the middle ground. Here's a course. Here's a blog. Here's a podcast. You do, you are, you know, you're covering media with a message that is so necessary and not a saturated market. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, when I said when we were first recording, I, I get these questions about singleness. And I mean, I literally just like type your Instagram handle and I'm like, go. (laughs) (laughs) Like I, I can try to guide you in identity and in who God says you are and whose you are. But like this girl is is killing this subject and I am going to stay in my lane so that she can stay in hers. But you just came out with a prayer journal to help women pray for their future husbands. And I know we talked about this before we started recording. I know that part of your motivation for doing that is the fact that you see women being inundated with terrible advice about this. So tell us about your journal and why you had to do that? (laughs) Well, I mean, everything that I've made is stuff that I needed. Mm -hmm. There's this quote, and I I mean, I have no idea who first said it because it's, I mean, just everywhere now, but it says, be who you needed when you were younger. Mm -hmm. And like, that is my, that is my heart cry here because the time when I was single and dating was so confusing and hard Mm -hmm. and also wonderful, but also just, did I mention confusing? Right. Um, And I just really needed so, I needed people in my corner for that. Um, And I wish that everyone had the people in their corner that I had, but, but not everybody does. And Mm so I've just really made it my mission to be who I needed when I was younger in these different areas. Um, The praying for your future husband thing is interesting because um, I didn't, really get the same message that I think a lot of people got, um, on this topic because I didn't really grow up in the church, but Mm -hmm. the more women I would talk to and like girlfriends and just, I mean, really so many women who grew up in the church, they would tell me that they were given advice that they should pray for their future husbands. Um, and it's just a lot of the women that would email me would talk to me about this. And I think that like marriage is such a big deal. We a million percent need to be inviting God into it. Like we need to be praying about it. Part of the reason is because 
it can, at least for me, it consumed so much of my mind and so many Mm. of my thoughts that like having some productive place to channel them into, like, yes, it's like cleaning up, like sweeping them all up out of my heart and handing them to God. And I have every single day. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's just so thought consuming and heart consuming. We need somewhere to put all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I would hear women talk about praying for their future husbands, sometimes there were two kind of like pitfalls I would see people stepping into. One of them was sometimes it sounded like they weren't necessarily praying for their future husbands. Mm-hmm. They were praying to their future husbands. Yep. Um, and that's, again, really dangerous because we're putting way too much pressure on a relationship. And like the, the direct benefit of that is that you're going to be disappointed when you're married, yep. not because marriage sucks, but because you're not because your husband is not God. They cannot be like your husband just cannot be everything for you. Yep. Um, and so that was one thing is like, oh, we need to make sure that we're not praying to this person or like if we're pouring out all of our thoughts and our hopes and our dreams every day to this future husband person, like we could be pouring all those things out in front of the Lord. And that's a relationship that can actually give us something back right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, and this was my husband pointing this out. I have some, some girlfriends who have written like stacks and stacks and stacks and boxes and boxes and boxes of letters and journals for their future husband. And the intent was that one day on their wedding day, they would give them this stack of boxes. Yeah. And the thing that my husband pointed out was like, and I mean, he loves me. He loves me so much. But he said, Stephanie, if you were to give me boxes and boxes and boxes of journals that you wrote when you were 13 years old and expect me to read them, like, that is a big ask. Like, that is Read them and have like the perfect emotional response. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because like, it's not like, I, like, if you're, if you put that much time into it, you are expecting tears. You are right. expecting like the, the heavens to open. Right. I mean, it is like, and he just was like, I love you so much, but I don't want to read your 13 year old diary. I just right. don't. Right. And so I think that that's another thing that we can kind of, another pitfall we can fall into is we're setting ourselves up for like a major fight on our honeymoon <sighs> when our husband isn't totally stoked to read every single one of our journals and exactly have the right emotional reaction that we're hoping for. That's just a lot to ask of someone. You yeah. Two of them and you might cry a little and then you'd be like, can I move on now? Yeah. Like it just, it, it's just, our journals aren't really for other people. They're for right. us and they're for exactly. our relationship with the Lord. And so anyway, all that to say, I mean, I really, because of those things would kind of cringe when someone would ask me about how to pray for your future husband, or I'd see something on Pinterest about like 30 ways to pray for your future husband. Um, but finally I realized like, instead of cringing, like why not make the thing that I really needed? Mm-hmm. And the thing I needed was a, a journal that would give me prompts that would help me pray about these different areas of my life and invest in them and like know what to do to find this middle ground, but also help me pray for my future husband mm-hmm. without allowing me to like put more pressure on him than, than is healthy or necessary. Um, yeah. And so that's yeah. what I need. And well, and, and I want it to be very clear that we are not saying that you should not pray for your future husband or that you should not journal those things. Like, I think that that is great. I think that that is beautiful. But what you said about praying to your future husband versus for, like, there's a difference between... So before we started recording, I was telling you, I just recently found a box of le- it's letters that I wrote my future husband. So they're not, I'm not praying. These are intentionally written to him. And it's not like hundreds of them. It's like maybe 20. I think I wrote like maybe yeah. one or two a year. Yeah. And he 
has never read them because I just found them. So, you know, and also, like you said, I'm not going to, we've been married for nine years. Like here, you want to read a bunch of stuff I wrote when I was 13? No, he doesn't. Like maybe (laughs) one or two. I can go through and filter them. Right. But that I, I can retrospectively like look back on those young years and see ways that I was either praying to my future husband or I was like giving God a checklist like giving God a punch list of what I wanted, not giving a ton of space to be for God to be like, yeah, no, that would never work. Like you think you want X, Y, Z and that's not what's best for you. That's not who I have for you. Right. And so I love the idea of a model and, and a guide that lands in that middle ground. Like, I love the, like, I have two daughters. I love the idea of, you know, being able to give them something down the road to build that intentionality that when they do meet their husband, they can say, like, I have, I've been praying for you, but it's not a stack of journals on their wedding night. It's, I mean, it- we absolutely should be praying for a person like a million percent. It's just that when we are only praying about that mm-hmm. or when, yeah, when we start to put too much pressure on them or when we find that our, we're pouring our hearts out to someone who we don't know yet, instead of really connecting to the God that we could know better, exactly. that's when we start to get into a tricky area. And I mean, I love that you said, I'm so grateful that you said this, that like, instead of just being like, you should do this, I like try to find ways of really specifically walking people through it. It's because like, okay, so this is sort of a random example, but um, my, so so many people in my life are really good cooks and they're like stuff. You just like know what flavors go together. You just kind of toss things in. Like you don't have a recipe. And I'm like, my brain does not work like that. This is not helpful. (laughs) I need a recipe. I need to know what to do first, what to do next. And I can riff a little bit after that, but like, it's just really helpful for me to have someone walk me through something. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I just, it's so, it's been so fun to get to say, listen, this section is going to really help you pray about your identity because Mm -hmm. the kindest thing you can do for your marriage in the future is, is really root your identity in Christ. Like you were Mm -hmm. talking about, um, this section is going to help you pray about your friendships and really, Mm -hmm. Ask God to help you surround yourself with a great community, which is going to make you a better person. It's going to make your walk with Jesus easier. It's going to make, um, it really might be the way that you meet your person is through your friends. Mm -hmm. And those people will be the people who help you as you get married and start a family and just all the things like you need people around you. Mm -hmm. And so this section, we're going to pray about that. Yeah. Um, So it's not an either or it's a, it's a yes. And there are so many things to pray about in this season. And, um, and I just, kind of tried to to create something that can help guide us through I love that I love that and so tell people where they can like find you follow you course book all the things tell people where to land to find you yes okay so um my Instagram is a really great sort of like train depot yeah (laughs) lots lots of places um that you can go from there and my Instagram is at esme wilson um you can find my book, you can find my course, you can find everything um, in my little bookshop. And that's esmaywilsonshop.com. Um, and so that's where you can find the book. It's called Every Single Moment, um, my course, everything. But really, I mean, I just would love to connect with y'all. I know yeah. that this season is hard and crazy and weird. And um, I just, my life was so much better because I had 
friends and mentors to walk with me through it. And so if you don't have people who are walking you through this, like I would love to be that for you. You're such a, I said this when we first picked up, I was like, you're such a doll of a human. Like you (laughs) are as sweet and darling and authentic as you present yourself to be online. And that is just always such a gift to get to connect with people like that. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. I really appreciate that. Uh, we close out every episode with rapid fire questions. Ooh, so, okay, okay. I'm ready. Okay. Let's go. Do you know your Enneagram type? I'm a two. Wing three. Oh, I love that. All of my people are twos and nines because I'm really? an eight. I love eights. Mm-hmm. So many of my people are eights. So yep. many of my people are like, like feisty and funny mm-hmm. and like tough. So yep. like not all, not in bad ways, but just, yeah, yeah totally. I feel like yeah. I'm the only two I know. So I love yeah. that you have so many people around you. Oh, all of my people are twos and nines, literally husband, best friends, family. I love it. I love me some twos and nines. Okay. What is your coffee order? Um, if I could have anything in the world, I would have an iced lavender latte. Ooh, I do love a good lavender latte. Mm. I had one. I went, my best friend lives in New Braunfels. And so there's like this little coffee shop there and it is the best lavender latte. They have to like, I feel like big coffee shops don't necessarily have them. You have to go to kind of a hole in the wall place, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Um, Teleportation. Mine too. And nobody said that yet. It's yeah, for sure. Because. I love traveling, but the sitting on the airplane for everything is just like, I wish I could be so many places yes. so quickly. Uh, so yeah, I love Everybody that you share that. That's awesome. Flying, And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, flying's cool. Or you could teleport and not even have to fly. You would just be there. Yes. Yeah. I love you just travel that. Time. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's like, I feel like it'd be really cool to fly. And I'm like, or you could just like think of a place and like land there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Be like, mm, I'm hungry for a croissant this morning. Boom, Paris. Exactly. Yep. Boom, yep. Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph, thank you so much for taking the time to share your heart and your wisdom and have this conversation. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I love this. I love the work you're doing. And um, I'm so honored to get to meet your women. And um, I'm just cheering you on, friend. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right. See you next week. This morning, Jen woke up, made three breakfasts, did two loads of laundry, and one conference call. But she also saved $25 because Jen uses a new innovation from Huntington called Money Scout. It analyzes Jen's checking account to find money that's not being used and moves it to her savings automatically. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. Huntington, welcome. Message and data rates may apply to text alerts. Money Scout is subject to eligibility, terms and conditions, and other account agreements. Member FDIC. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.